Hello, everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast with me, James Dixon, wishing you a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever or wherever you are tuning in to today's podcast from. Uh, and a very warm welcome back to the podcast to Mr. Richard Belcher. Richard is the director of First Sight Media and joins us uh, today in a break from a shoot that, uh, that his guys are on today. Richard, thanks for joining the podcast. Uh, good afternoon, evening. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm here at the very sunny uh, Birmingham today. I'm doing a shoot uh, here at the Hilton Metropole, actually, very nice. Um, mm. And I managed to get out of the rig by doing this pod. So thank you very much for allowing me on. Well, the art of delegation, the <laughs> art of delegation, having a crew to do that. Um, for those of you who haven't come across First Sight Media before, um, they're uh, a, a company and a supplier who have certainly had an involvement in, in many events that I've, I've also worked on over the last few years. And I've got to know Richard very, very well. They're a specialist um, uh, video filming, live streaming agency. You guys pretty much tick all of those boxes. Um, and I suppose uh, today's subject, which is, is whether or not events should you know, consider using live streaming at their event and will they benefit? Um, the subject of live streaming, I suppose, is, is grade in some respects. Um, there used to be companies, if you wanted a corporate video shooting, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you could go to a company who could do that. As live streaming started to creep in, there were companies who sort of set up specialists to do that. You guys really sort of bring those two worlds together, don't you? And, and there's no real sort of distinction between the two anymore. No, I think, I think you're right. I mean, and, and the way that we consume video as consumers and as corporate entities has really changed, particularly in the last three, five, maybe more years. Mm. And things like the iPlayer have made my life and my business much better because people are used to absorbing um, uh, content over, the, over, the, over your computer or sat in front of your, your iPad or whatever. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, in terms of what First Sight Media do, yeah, we... we um, we, we've kind of engineered ourselves a space as uh, web streaming um, specialists as well as video conferencing and stuff like that. We do also do the video side of things, you know, the more straight down the lens of the camera talking head stuff as well. But mm. I mean, we, you know, uh, we know each other a lot from um, things like Event Tech Live and that where we've been involved for. I'm going to say four years. Um, it, time does fly, doesn't it? But uh, Yeah, it could be uh, even longer, but no, nobody's quite yeah. sure anymore. And we actually, in 2018, we streamed every, every stage um, in 4K uh, for the first time. So the, the prospect of, of 4K streaming, even three years ago, was ridiculous because of bandwidths. But technology has moved on so much um, mm. in that time that, um, yeah, we're now in a really good shape. It, it should be accessible to everybody. Sure. It, uh, and the question of, I suppose, should, the question, should I be using live streaming to increase the exposure of my event? It, it, in a way, it's a bit of a loaded question because my, my opinion of it is, is that nine times out of 10, the answer to that is going to be yes, simply because there's no reason why you shouldn't and why you can't anymore. You know, in the early days, it may have been prohibitive due to bandwidth, due to the, the, the hardware that's required to do that. The reality now is you can flip a phone out of your pocket, put a Facebook live feed on, and you've essentially got a live stream. I suppose it's looking at that question in more detail. And um, what I wanted to ask you, and, uh, uh, and something I was curious to ask on today's episode, is when it, you mentioned about how we consume video has changed massively. Um, and that's to do with on-demand services. 
But in terms of how we consume the length of video that we do, I think has changed massively as well. I think people now have shorter attention spans and we're used to consuming short, sharp bursts of video content. I'm curious to see whether or not that's, you think that's going to affect how we live stream at events. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I actually don't think the question is as loaded as you may think. Obviously, you've invited someone who specializes in streaming onto the podcast, and therefore you assume I'm going to say, yes, you should. And I am going to agree with you, and nine times out of 10, yes, you should. There isn't really a major reason, and certainly it shouldn't be cost prohibitive in the way it's been in the past. Yeah. But I think, I think if we just back up a step, a step before I answer the question that you've asked me is, I actually think it really depends on what you're trying to achieve. Um, and like anything, you can bolt on all these bells and whistles and, you know, we, we you know, as a, as a podcast listener, we, we hear of lots of technologies and stuff that, that you guys are uh, uh, reaching out to that can enhance events, but not all of them are necessarily appropriate to all people. And I think mm. event streaming actually is the same in that respect. There are a lot of ways that it would benefit your event, but what you've really got to consider. And one thing I always tell our customers is well, what are you trying to get out of this? And if, if, and, and that, and that affects a number of things. So that'll affect what platform you decide to stream on. So you, for example, we're using um, zoom today. I don't know if I'm allowed to give away the secret. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, so we're using zoom, um, which is a, which is a perfectly fine and capable um, uh, web conferencing solution. Um, so that's one of them. There's then YouTube, there's um, you know, LinkedIn have got their new, a new one now, uh, there's Facebook Live, and there's just so many different ways of trying to do things. And, uh, and I think if we think about Simon Sinek, start with the why, um, you, there's, there's, that's really appropriate here. And why are you doing it? Why are you live streaming? Why are you thinking about live streaming? And if the answer is, well, because everybody else is, um, and you're not going to market it in any way, you're not going to embrace it, you're not going to collect data, you're not going to use it to try and promote next year's event, or you're not actually using it for anything useful, then it is a waste of money, no matter how expensive it is or inexpensive yeah. it is these days. Um, if what you're trying to do is reach as many, and I think there's the specific question is, should I, be, I'm reading here, should I be using live streaming to increase the exposure of my event? And the answer to that is yes, you should, uh, because it will increase the exposure. If you think about the number of people, so the, the event that I'm here in Birmingham to do is, is a webinar. Um, and it's, it's an offline event. There are going to be about 35, 40 people in the audience, but there'll be another two, 300 watching online that simply can't make it to Birmingham today. Mm -hmm. um, and the pharmaceutical company for which we are streaming have um, hub sites throughout the UK um, where they've got uh, field managers that are inviting people locally to them and they're all watching it together. They can answer questions, they can chat, they can ask questions to the audience, to us here in Birmingham where the speakers will be. Um, and so what they're doing is they're, they're using it to increase exposure and engage with people. Um, so that's a really good example of when you should be trying to do it. We did a webinar last night as well. It's a webinar week for us this week. Uh, we did one last night that had actually, we video conferenced to a number of satellite locations. We streamed from London and then um, we video conferenced into to Maidstone and Colchester where they were able to ask questions live and, we, and the, the audience in London saw them. It's, it's, and, and they're really good examples of embracing streaming and embracing the technology behind it in order to, to, to achieve something. And that something was as many people as possible. If, if, that's, if you don't know what your end goal is and your Simon Sinek's why, if you don't know what it is, then actually I would say no. 
you shouldn't be using it. Um, sure. So I, I've, I've gone off on a real tangent here, James, and I'm sorry. Um, remind me <laughs> of your original question, and I'll try and go back. No, 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 not a problem at all. And, and, and um, there was something that you touched on briefly uh, that I'm going to now take and run with a little bit. And it was this, there was this, what I'm going to call a myth a few years ago, when I first started to talk to people about live streaming and how it would affect uh, conferences, events, exhibitions, whatever it may be, um, there was a genuine fear amongst some people that by live streaming it, that would stop people coming to their event if they knew that they could just sit in their office or at home and watch it and not actually have to go to it. I'm pretty confident in saying that that, that is a myth, that, that that's been dispelled. I've yet to see or hear of any hard evidence from any event organiser that said to me, we've stopped live streaming because we did it last year and numbers were down by 30%. I think that's a nonsense. So I think we genuinely are looking at something that is only ever going to offer an enhancement in the right application. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly only speak of my experience on it, but my experience is that that 30% drop that they saw would have happened anyway. Mm. Um, but the fact that they may have picked up 20, 30, 40 people or even 10% um, more viewers by doing it online means that they didn't lose as much as they would have done. I mean, offline mm. events, and depending on what it is, of course, you know, we, the word event is such a broad term, as we know, but um, the, 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 fact, the fact is, is that, I think actually you still, you've got to consider that you need a hook to get people to, to come to your offline event. Mm -hmm. um, um, and so that hook you still need. Um, if that hook isn't strong enough, well, why not enable them to have it streamed online so sure. that the people that won't go to the effort because they don't think your hook is good enough for them to travel all the way from, let's say, Glasgow down to, to London, um, then at least they've still got the opportunity to engage and you're still getting that. I mean, we use the word exposure in the, in the title of this. Sure. Talk. Yeah. That's you've still got that exposure um, uh, and you're not losing anything. Um, so I, I, I kind of feel like you need to look at it from the other side. And of course I would say this, I run a streaming company, but um, I think you need to look at it from the other direction and actually what am I losing <coughs> by, what am I losing by not streaming it rather than what am I losing offline by sure. streaming it? I would, I would argue. Absolutely. And that's certainly the experience I've seen from all the events that we've been doing over, you know, there are a lot that we've been doing for five, six years, 10 years even now, where um, they, they have continued to pick up online audience, but their offline has either leveled out or plummeted or somewhere between the two. So yeah, it is a myth. Um, and I certainly think if you're worried about it, if you pick a good, um, provider and a good producer that will help you put together the online content or indeed the offline content and online content of your event, then there's no reason why it should um, steal from your, from your audience. Exactly. And, and, and there's, there's the, the, other, um, the other element to consider there is that people don't have to go all in when it comes to live streaming in, in as much as they don't have to stream every minute of every single session of every single day of their events. You know, people can pick and choose. And that comes down as well from a hardware point of view. You mentioned at, at the start that, you know, Event Tech Live last year, you streamed every session in 4K because you have the bandwidth and the connectivity and the capability to do that now. But as I said, people have the hardware available to now where they could just pick and choose a few key moments to put on to the right platform using a simple device. 
Yeah, well, let's take let's take Eventech as a as a good example, actually, because actually at Eventech, we didn't stream every single session live in 4K. We streamed selected sessions. So what we what we did was we spoke with um, Adam and Paul, who were organising it, and we said, well, what are you trying to achieve? And what they wanted was for more people to come, especially as it was a two day event now, not a one for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wanted to encourage people to come to day two that weren't a day one. They wanted to encourage people next year. They wanted to create a bit of a buzz. So what we did was we picked a select um, keynote session, if you will, um, from day, uh, the Wednesday morning, and we streamed that. We then streamed something in the afternoon in the idea that you saw it on the Wednesday morning and you thought, oh, that looks good, actually. It's just down the road. I might nip down there this afternoon. Yeah. Um, likewise, you then saw something in the afternoon. Actually, I might head down there tomorrow to watch. And then again, um, Thursday morning. And then we also created um, highlights videos of each day so by five o'clock on wednesday afternoon after day one there was a, a two minute or one minute highlight video um talking about what you know, what's happened you know some some buzz some some scenes some highlights and that 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 just goes back back to the point i made a minute ago about simon sinek start with the why well the why there was we want to get more people through the door and so we used live streaming to help create a buzz to help create interest um, and um, well, looking at the numbers, um, I, I think it certainly did that. Indeed, and and, and as you said, that the, the double-edged sword of, of live streaming is that what you're also doing is 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 capturing content. So if if you take the example of an event that um, wasn't going to have any cameras at all, and they decide to go down the live streaming route, what they've also got then is is not just increased exposure for the event whilst it's happening and people are tuning into that live stream but you've got increased exposure that comes from the fact that you've captured content that you can then utilize that afterwards that you can create highlight reels with or remain or keep that content up on your website for the remainder of the year yeah and on the flip side of that you've you've lost it if you don't so if you whether you live stream or not if you're not filming it at all it, it, it's gone we do a lot of stuff for the university of oxford and they're always going on about this archive that we've created for them because we've been filming and streaming for them for probably 12 years now mm-hmm. and they've got there's a lot of um theologians or experts or professors that um sadly aren't with us anymore but we've still got their their life's work in the form of a presentation that they did at their conference in um july that's maybe a, a extreme example but um i think my, my point is that um you, you essentially you're you, you're losing it if you're not filming it sure um do you ever get approached this is a bit of a tangent here but do you 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 are you know a, a pro setup you know i've seen you guys work and in terms of the actual equipment and the hardware and the experience that you're bringing in it's undoubtedly a you know a, a pro setup but do you ever talk to clients who whether it's a budget thing or perhaps you just want to dip their toe in the water whereby there are more sort of lo-fi you know solutions now or or options for them if they don't want to go the whole hog of having crews there with big cameras on tripods you know what can people do now if they want to dip their toe into live streaming world and and how easy is it now yeah and i and i think it is very easy is the answer you can pick up something like like zoom like we're using um, or anything you can you can do for free um i think what you need to consider before i um go into the simplicity of how easy it is to do it yourself what you need to consider is again who your audience is and if your audience is customers and they could be potentially important customers you don't want to run the risk of um, at first light media we're a really risk averse company and we don't like to do things that we can't control ourselves or that we can't put a backup in place for. So 
So while something like Zoom, for example, is fantastic when it works, when it doesn't work, getting technical support can be more difficult. Um, but uh, so what we like to do is put in redundancy after redundancy, after backup, after backup. And so if something does fail, it just, it, you click a switch and it goes to something else. If you're, if you, what you're streaming is really, really important, you know, you're doing a market update, for example, or a product launch to press, mm -hmm. the last thing you want is a problem. But that said, if you're doing something really simple, you want to just reach out to a handful of customers that are select customers that you know really well that won't judge you based on that. Um, I mean, you can do stuff with your phone these days, you know, uh, Facebook Live, YouTube Live. There's a button if you've got an app on an Android phone or an iPhone or whatever. There's a there's a button that says go live and you just click that and it's done. I mean, little things that I can recommend as top tips. Get yourself a little tripod. Um, they're, they're really inexpensive. Um, and if you're going to use your phone, the, the worst thing is, is, is this all the time where you're, where you're kind of juddering around and it's not being held straight. So just buy yourself a little tripod. Um, likewise about audio, get yourself a nice little microphone. Uh, I know iPhone and Android apps have some really great add plugins and add-ons mm. um, that you can just you can just buy for literally like less than 50 quid um, yeah but it'll just if you're thinking of doing it do that uh, but look into the platform that you're looking to go down um and um you know seek some advice someone like i mean like if you called me up i'd give you some tips and stuff um you know i'd probably try and sell to you at the same time <laughs> but nonetheless um I, I would certainly give you some tips on on the best platforms to use uh, youtube facebook um, are the probably the two that I would recommend the highest be careful with YouTube because their copyright um, algorithms are fantastic these days so if you're going to stream a song or a, a video from someone else chances are you're going to get pinged and your account's going to get blocked um, so just be careful with that but um, otherwise if, you know if you google how to do a live stream yourself there are millions of hits and uh, you, you'll get some good advice from all those places as well. And that's, that's an interesting point that again, that you've raised there with, with YouTube and their algorithms for protecting copyrighted content. And um, you know, you, people will have been on YouTube and seen that a video has been removed or taken down or on Twitter as well. It often crops up where it says video has been removed due to copyright infringement. Um, you know, what considerations are there when it comes to those sort of aspects, if people are looking at live stream, because it might be something that people could potentially overlook yeah it's really easy to overlook a lot of our customers do it all the time and then worry why their face why their youtube account has been blocked well it's because you told us to stream this thing and we told you we shouldn't but you did um, i mean in terms of good pieces of advice uh, I, again i would say google is your best friend here um, but as a general rule of thumb get permission um, whether it be um, an image that you've got from a colleague or um, a, a video that you've downloaded from youtube get permission and if you don't have that permission you you, you basically run the risk of uh, of of loot of you know being blocked essentially mm -hmm. um so yeah be very careful i think is what i would say that's why sometimes it's useful to use um you know any good streaming company will have their own platform um and if you're doing a, um an internal stream um I, I shouldn't say this but if you're doing an internal stream um that isn't going through something with an algorithm, then you, you know you can be a bit less careful about what using copyrighted material and get away with it. Is the answer? Sure. Yeah. And what what, um, what obligation is there from event organisers to to notify their their delegates or their own audiences that that, that um, you know certain elements may be live streamed? You know, do, do the, is there any sign off that they have to obtain for that, or do they just have to provide them notification so that the choice is then in the hands of the delegate? I think it's really good practice to definitely get a signed waiver from your speakers or anyone that's 
performing in any way um, in your stream. That's, that, that's just really good practice. And chances are you'll never need it, but at least then they know what to expect. Um, you might want to hook them up with your, um, <clears throat> with your streaming partner or your filming partner or whoever, just so they can have a little conversation, put their mind at ease. But in terms of the delegates, um, my, my knowledge on the legalities of it is, uh, is vague, James, I'll be honest. But um, my understanding is that if you advertise the fact that you are doing it, and it is a, a private room or a, um, a private location that you have hired, um, as long as you notify them that you are doing it, um, you are able to do so as long as you're not showing their face. Mm -hmm. So what that means in practice is if, for example, you are at a conference with 200 people and someone puts their hand in the air to ask a question, um, it's probably best that you don't cut to them asking that question and just stay on a wide shot or something like that that means that you can hear their voice, but you don't necessarily see a nice tight of their face like you and I can see of each other now. And mm -hmm. the guys watching the video version of this can see as well. But um, so yeah, I would avoid, um, you know, f uh, front faces of people. GDPR is a, is a funny game and it does apply to the, sure does apply to video as well another little bit of um of, of advice i suppose if we can call it that and it might might seem really obvious but certainly it's something that i've run into operationally at, at, at conferences particularly um is is when audiences do ask the question um you have an audience mic there for a reason and i was at a, a, an event uh just a couple of months ago and we said at the, at the beginning if you want to ask a question please wait for the microphone to be handed to you and ask your question into the microphone. And we had one person who's flatly refused to use a microphone. They actually said during the Q&A period, no, I don't need it, and waved the person away with the microphone and just asked their question. And of course, what they're not realizing then is that the microphone is not so that people in the room can hear you. It's for the benefit of the people on the other end of the video so that they can hear you. Um, and it, otherwise it loses the whole context. It might only seem like a really sort of minor tip, but this is something that probably crops up regularly with you guys. It's my biggest pet hate. It's, it's absolutely one of my biggest pet hates in the world, in fact, um, is uh, specifically when someone is trying to offer you a microphone and you're batting it away saying, I don't need it. You, you'll, if you turn around and look at the technical team in the background, they'll be holding their heads uh, and, and, and uh, banging their head against the table potentially. Mm -hmm. That's what I was doing. Uh, yeah, quite. Yeah, that's, and that's what I do all the time, which is why my hairline recedes as much as it does. Well, hey, for anybody watching the video, then you're talking to too seriously receding hairlines. But de definitely a bit of advice for anybody listening who, who is contemplating live streaming or if you've got cameras recording your conference sessions, the microphones for the audience are there for a reason. And if, uh, if ever you've sort of seen somebody mumble down them, it's really important that at the start of your sessions, and it's not often I offer any sort of advice on this podcast, but I speak from experience, is that at the start of your conference sessions, stress to the audience how important it is to take the microphone if they want to ask questions and explain why that is. Explain that it's for the benefit of the video. And if you don't speak down the microphone, the video will not capture your question and you end up with somebody answering a question that nobody else has ever heard of. Yeah. Um, and, it, and, and at that point, then it risks getting cut out further down the line, doesn't it? And it's, yeah. it's little things like this that really, I suppose, as we become more um savvy about it and more used to it people will realize why why we need to do that also a good a good presenter or a good host would repeat the question in front of their microphone so that the people online could hear or at least articulate the question into their response um mm -hmm. but you don't always get good 
um, hosts like like yourself, James. It's not always. Uh, it's not always the case. So, <laughs> um, we've been uh, we've been talking on today's podcast to uh, to Richard Belcher. Richard is the director of First Sight Media, um, a company that have uh, have worked certainly alongside Event Tech Live, uh, and that I've worked alongside for a number of years now. But um, who do an awful lot of live streaming within the industry and talking about whether or not uh, events should be using live streaming to increase their exposure. Um, and uh, some of I suppose we've, we've touched on do's and don'ts and a few top tips as well, Richard, which is always uh, always great to. Um, to pick up on um it, i always ask uh, in podcasts of, of this nature about sort of trends and where you're seeing things move to do, do you see trends within your particular line of work or is it just a, a, a general um evolution year to year you do i mean there's trends um there's, there's a number of trends actually so you get you get the trends in terms of who, what the most popular play you know there was periscope a few years ago was really popular yeah. and then it moved on to um facebook and twitter and you know youtube's kind of been there or thereabouts for a good while there's linkedin there's linkedin live um either just been released or being released imminently um which is which is the same thing so you you've always got your platform is is uh, is one of the trends you've you've then got um, the quality, of course, um, we all remember the glorious days of standard definition, uh, which has now moved on to HD. Um, and then you've got 4K, which is the next big thing, which um, those of you that watched any of the uh, Event Tech Live stuff on YouTube will see it's all in 4K, which is uh, four times the quality of HD. Um, but of course, you have to have a 4K monitor, which uh, the take up rate of them at the moment is, is really low sure. um, because of cost really but you also get what we found what we've seen a lot of lately is that you have a lot of production companies um whether that be a video production company or a uh, you know an av company or whatever that um that don't really want to get into streaming because it's a risk and and we've seen a lot of that where we've kind of gone in and supplemented their their work um so that they continue to do what they do well and then they get they subcontract us in um, and that's that's helping to keep um, you know the familiarity with customers and stuff like that. But um, also, it's helping to it's certainly helping us to expand our reach. But um, also means that it's just another way that streaming can become more and more popular, which is great. Fantastic. Um, finally, before we wrap up today, if, uh, if anybody wants to find out a little bit more about what you guys do, um, how do they get in touch with you guys? Well, excellent. Thank you, James. Uh, so, uh, firstsight.media is our website. Um, you can uh, head there. Um, it's it's quite simple, but um, it gives you lots of information. We're also on Twitter at First Sight Media, um, all one word, um, and our YouTube channel, and all those sorts of places. Um, and uh, I'm sure if you um, contact Event Industry News, you will find us very quickly. Well, on that note, if you if you are listening to the audio version of today's podcast and you want to see the receding hairlines that we've been discussing, then head over to eventindustrynews.com where you'll be able to watch the videos of this podcast and, in fact, all of our previous podcasts. Uh, you'll also be able to find out about all the latest news in the various sectors of our broad industry and uh, and also download some of the special feature supplements that have been produced recently on event industry news if you are on eventindustrynews.com as uh, as we uh, speak and as you watch this head over to your favorite podcast platform and you can access all of the audio only versions of these podcasts to listen to on your commute to and from work or wherever you may be. It could be an exotic destination in uh, the USA or it could be the Hilton Metropole Hotel in Birmingham. Not to say that that's not exotic, but in the context of things, Richard, I'm sure you've been to far-flung places uh, of a yeah. broader nature. Yes, I think that's a fair assessment of the situation. 
absolutely. Thanks for joining us today, Richard. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode of the podcast. Thanks a lot and goodbye. Thank you.